And so I had to do the entire deal with cash. And so I was out of money to be able to do the other deals that I had already, that I had under contract. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? My name is Sarah Larby, and I am excited again for another great podcast. And today's guest is Lynn LeBeau, who is an active real estate investor who invests with the flipping and the buy and hold strategies. She's got over 10 years of experience and provides some great insights for us Canadian real estate investors. I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast, and if you have not yet, please leave a rating and review on Apple's podcast if that's how you listen to it with your iPhone, and if you also have any real estate investing questions or you wanted to reach out, feel free to email me, sarah at sarahlarby.com, or send me a message using my website, which is sarahlarby.com. All right, let's now go to the podcast. Lynn, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you now. You are in Sudbury, correct? Correct. Yes. All right. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do in real estate investing. Okay. So I've been investing in real estate since 2008 was my first purchase. And I currently have 60, a total of 68 doors. I do some, most of my properties are, um, purchase like for, for holding. So I do do a few, I have done a few flips, um, but the majority is really to hold. So I buy, I've got, you know, single family duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, and my biggest one right now is a sixplex. So looking to getting into some bigger properties now at this point. That's great. So a lot of people are probably wondering, wow, 68 units, how do you go from, you know, zero to 68? So how do you do that? How did you go yeah. that quickly? Up yeah, to that. So actually, um, I actually closed. Okay. So I purchased my first property and then in 2008, then my second in 2009. And I was trying to help out an old friend of mine. And uh, anyway, so what happened is, so I purchased those two properties with the intent of giving him a job. So he'd fix them up and so on. And finally that didn't work out too well. And we had to break our ties. And from there um, in 2012, the company I was working for was on the verge of bankruptcy. And so I had to figure out how I was going to replace my six figure income. And um, in Sudbury where I live, there aren't very many opportunities. And so anyways, I was kind of uh, having to decide how I was going to do that. And finally, I was driving to Timmins one day where my properties, the two first properties were located. And I thought, okay, what the heck am I thinking? Just do more of this, right? Light bulb went off and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so I call it my two strategy combo and you will refer to it as the burst strategy. I had not heard of the burst strategy until after I finished writing my book on, on real estate and picked up my next book. Cause I didn't have time like that whole period. I didn't have time to actually read anything. So anyways, I picked up my next book and all of a sudden reading about this burst strategy. I'm like, hey, this is my two strategy combo. <laughs> so, but that's, so that's basically it. Right. So basically what I did was I got, um, uh, so I would purchase properties that were uh, in need of major repairs. And I took $100,000 of the bank's money because I didn't have any money of my own other than in RSPs. And if I cashed them out, I'd have to pay 50% in taxes and stuff. So that wasn't going to 
happen. So I had a credit line. I bought, so I managed to get a credit line, a, a HELOC on my property. Um, of between that one and the regular one, it was about a hundred thousand dollars. And so I purchased my, you know, I purchased property and for pretty cheap and that I would fix it up and rent it out and you know, finance it and then move on to the next property. So, so yeah, so 18 properties within 12 months is what I did. So that's because I was really focused, right? It was all about how to get to my hundred thousand dollars of income to be replaced in case the company went under. So that's interesting. Now, now Timmins is how many hours north of Toronto? Is it 12? I'm going to say uh, seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. So we're about, Sudbury's about four hours and then it's about three and a quarter, three and a half from Timmins from Timmins from Sudbury. I've, I've been there once. I think there's like a Casey's or something. There was like the one main restaurant. <laughs> there's a few more now <laughs> nice. okay so so what's the, a house price in Timmins roughly like what did you purchase these properties for yeah so so this is why I invest in Timmins right because the first one I purchased I and and get don't get me wrong these are really good deals that I'm talking about here so so I purchased my first one for 49,000 and this one had a front house that had uh, a rooming house with four units, uh, four rooms, and it had a main floor with a two-bedroom main floor and a uh, one-bedroom basement, and then the back house had two units. And I, so I purchased that for $49,000. It needed a little bit of work. It wasn't that bad, though. It was like the amount of work. I'd say I probably put about 20000 into it. And so all in for sixty nine, and it was bringing in $4,500 in revenue per month. So the cash flow was amazing from day one. And I mean, there was a lot of people in Toronto thinking, how do I afford anything? But you live, you live in Toronto. If you want to live in Toronto, rent in Toronto, but buy somewhere where it makes sense. And it sounds like Cummins made sense for you. Exactly. So yeah, so that was my first property. The second one I bought for $40,000 and it was a sixplex and it rents out for um, probably around, you know, about five grand. And, you know, so that's pretty good. And then, so these were my first two. And then after that, so I bought those for cash, like using a credit line. And then after that, when I decided I was all in in 2012 and did the 18 deals within that 12 months, I, so I was looking for the same types of things, right? I'm like, okay, if this worked for these two, then how can I continue to do this? And um, so most, a lot of the deals were like that. They were either vacant. They had, um, I don't know. I remember the one I bought it for $35,000. It was a triplex and people had gone through the walls to get to the other units and stuff. Right. So like, um, and yeah, it was a little bit crazy. So, but they were, they were abandoned places, some of them, and then others weren't abandoned. So I had a mixture of some that were abandoned and need work. And I would also buy those where I, I bought two, four units next to each other. And those were actually tenanted. And therefore, I got the financing on it right off the get-go, and you know, and just put my twenty percent down versus having to, um, you know, rather than, because it wasn't the same strategy, right? And it was already tenanted, and it was going to be a little while before I could refinance, and you know, where I could bring up the value. So that essentially, makes- you were you were still burring. So the the couple properties you purchased using your HELOC on what refinancing your primary residence? Yeah, that's what I did. I ref- yeah, so I financed my primary residence and I got a separate line of credit for the, you know, whatever I could get off out of the bank. And uh, so, yeah, so I was able to use that to do the repairs 
and just use the um, the HELOC to be able to, you know, for the down payments. That's good. So how did you get financing for 18 properties? Like, are you, were you using one lender? Did you work with a mortgage broker, B lenders? Like, how did that all work out? Okay. So in the beginning, I didn't know better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was already like my, my primary home was my principal residence was with Scotiabank. And so I thought, okay, well, I have a relationship with them already. So I'm just going to go there. And so that's what I did. And they were, people were just impressed as to how, how many I was able to close with Scotiabank. Like I was, I was doing deal after deal. Right. So, and they were just weren't putting the brakes on. And I thought, well, this is really cool. Okay. So keep going, right. Apply for the next one, apply for the next one until one day they did put the brakes on. And at that point I had a few properties under contract and they were really good deals. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do next? And so finally, um, I decided to go with a mortgage broker and he was able to actually get me, um, he got me three, uh, we closed on three properties with this particular mortgage broker. So he kind of was able to pull a cat out of a hat type of thing. So I'm not sure how he did his magic, but I was like, all good with that. Um, so yeah, so then, so I did the broker and then, um, was that still with an A lender, the broker, like a big bank, or was that a trust company? It was actually with radius financial. So my mortgage, like the interest rates were still at 3%. Okay. So, but probably, so not one of the big five banks. So like a, like, no. maybe like a B lender type of thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a B lender though. I think no? it's, um, no, I, d- I don't believe so because the B lenders were at 4% of the time and this one here was at 3%. So I'm still thinking the, the mortgage brokers have access to banks that won't deal with individuals, right? They only deal with the mortgage brokers. And uh, so it's not like a credit, it wasn't a credit union or, you know, case populars and stuff like that. It was, um, if, if I was coming in at 3% and the other ones, when I was dealing with Scotiabank, I was at 289 And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Mm -hmm. Were there points like points that you paid up front or like a lower amortization? Nope. Okay. It seems like you got, you got a good deal. I mean, it's, it's not one of the big five banks, but there's definitely a lot of, this is why we work with mortgage brokers, right? Because they have access to more than just going to your, your branch that you're used to working with from the bank. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And then from there, I went to, um, then after that, I went to the credit unions. Once I got a stop on, you know, the mortgage broker that I was dealing with, he was really, really good at first. And then I don't know if he got swamped or what happened, but then he would stop returning calls and it would take forever and stuff. And I thought, okay, well, um, I need to get financing and I need it now. And I went to the credit union in the area and I was able to get it through there. Okay. Awesome. So, so you've done this essentially controlling a hundred percent of the assets without joint ventures. Is that correct? Or did you get a joint venture partner or two at, at some point? Yes, I did end up getting some joint venture partners at some point. At first, um, you know, people were asking me, well, I want in, I want in. And I'm, they're going, can I give you my money? And I'm going, why would I take your, why would I give you 50% when I can keep a hundred percent of it? Right. So until at one point I had so many deals on the table and the bank, well, actually it wasn't the bank, but it was the credit union was supposed to actually give front some money and it didn't happen for some reason or another. They said, oh, we changed our mind. We can't do it. And so I had to do the entire deal with cash. And so I was out of money to be able to do the other deals that I had already, that I had under contract. And so I thought, okay, well, 50% of something is better than 0% of nothing. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> so, so that's when... I went to the one and I said, okay, you know, you've been wanting in for the last few years, here's your chance and here's how it's going to work. And I explained it to him. And so, yeah, so I, so we did, I did two deals with that individual. And then from there I had somebody else that had also been asking for a while. So when he ran out of cash, then I went to the other fella and said, Hey, okay, I've got these deals on the table. Do you want in? This would be the time. And so he got in and I did two deals with him. And now just more recently, I've got another partner where I've done, a, I've got two more partners where I've done a few deals. That's awesome. Okay. So now you're going into Timmins and we'll get back to the joint venture. I, I mean, I think at some point everybody's going to need a JV to, uh, to keep scaling if that's, that's the goal. You've got it. But at some point, you know, you said, okay, I'm going to go three and a half hours away of driving and I'm going to start a portfolio there. And, you know, you and I can't do what we do without a good team in place. And so how did you build your team out, you know, three hours, four hours from where you are? Okay. So, yeah. So during this whole process, I was working, was actually working in an executive position. I was working about 80 to a hundred hours a week because uh, they had put me in charge of the turnaround of the organization. And so I was going across Canada. So just to get, keep things into perspective, right? So, so this is what was happening at the time. And uh, so, yeah, so I had to figure out like, okay, I, I need a team of people to be able to take care of this because I don't even live there. And, and I'm across Canada just traveling for work. And so anyway, so what I did is my first thing, at first I, I hired a property manager and she worked out for a little while, but then I don't know if she got too big too fast. It didn't, you know, just things didn't work out. So then I was looking for a second one and I asked my real estate agent, like, you know, is there a good property management company in town? And her answer was no. And I thought, okay, well, that's not going to work for me. What am I going to do now? Right. right. So, 
And then she told me that her sister had managed the property, the first one of the first properties that I purchased. She had managed it for this older couple at the time. And this couple, anyway, so, so she had really helped them out is what she was doing. And she said her sister wasn't really happy with her work and uh, probably would be good, you know, anyways, to be, she, she'd probably be willing to change jobs. And so I interviewed her over the phone at first, and then I went and interviewed her in Timmins, and it all worked out. So she ended up being my property manager for five years. And nice. yeah, it worked out really well. She ended up getting sick and had to leave for a bit, but she's actually been back lately doing some of my marketing and stuff like that. So, so this, she was my first employee and worked out really, really well. She learned the ropes really quickly. And uh, so we kind of worked it out together so that we'd be learning together and so on. And we were, at the time we were using a contractor to do all of the work. And so she would just, you know, line up the contractor, do everything. We'd be on the phone a couple times a week, you know, depending on what was going on, sometimes more, sometimes less. And yeah, she would just, you know, let me know what was happening. And she did a fabulous job. So it was really about finding the right person, right? So Absolutely. It is, it is all about your team, right? Your team can make or break the whole experience, but also like you, I have a job that requires travel and I can't necessarily be at the properties. So how did you find your JVs, you know, initially, were they friends that you knew prior? Were they people that you had met at different investor events? Like how did that all work out? Okay. So the first one that kept bugging me to get into the game was my brother so that was pretty simple (laughs) and the second one I was actually I I paid for some coaching and before I did my 18 deals in 12 months I, I I knew that I needed to know what I didn't know so I paid for some coaching and and when I was at this event I was at this three days boots on the ground type event and they said, oh, you have to be on social media. I'm like, okay, I seriously do not have time for social media. I work all these hours and there's just no time for that. So she says, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to be on social media. So you got to go on Facebook. So I said, okay. So I had this old Facebook account that I hadn't opened in years. And so, uh, so I opened this account and there's like a hundred friend requests, right? So I'm like, okay, I accept, accept, accept. And I'm going through the list. And then um, as I did that, this one fellow, uh, he was a friend of mine in like grade seven, eight around that time frame, like like long time ago. <laughs> so, anyways, so he sees me. He saw that I accepted his request. So he says, "Hey, what are you up to these days?" So, anyways, I just said, "Oh, uh, I'm not usually on Facebook, but I'm at this event or whatever, this training, real estate training." And they said I had to go on social media. So here I am. And he's like, "Oh, real estate, really?" Anyway, so we had some back and forth. And he says, "Well, how do I get in?" And so, <laughs> anyways, I said, "Well." you know, I don't know. He says, well, can I give you my money? And I said, well, <laughs> you, you know, I don't need your money. Why would I do that? So anyway, so he knew then by that point, he knew about my two first properties. Right. So, uh, and it, cause I had told him I was going to just kind of go full force, right. You know, and do this. And so he says to me, well, I, you know, if you ever want somebody, a partner, just let me know. So that's when a few years, you know, or whatever, not a few years, but, but a, you know, about a year goes by and yeah, not even, I don't know, maybe eight months goes by. And that's when I had, you know, four deals on the table that I couldn't close on. And so I, I brought my brother in and then I brought this guy in. And then after that, uh, my other brother was bugging me to get in. And so I did a couple of flips with him and, you know, just to try to help them out. Right. Because he can use money and whatever. So I did that. 
And then I was at this other event in Toronto and people ask, you know, they always ask like, what do you do? And so once I told them about these, a few of my deals, I just told them a couple of little stories about some of my deals. Like I just, I purchased a property for $15,500 and (laughs) it's a duplex and it had a little back house, but back house needed to be torn down and stuff. And they're like, what, you know, what do you mean? And so they're trying to buy in Toronto and it's like, oh, I can close on maybe two, one or two deals in Toronto with you go to Timmins. I can pay all these for cash. Right. So anyway, yeah, so that's, so, uh, so as I would tell my story, people would be like, just people just want to give me their money. Right. And so I had, so this newest partner, uh, just over about a year and a half ago, she's, she'd been bugging me to get in. And so finally I let her in and I've got this other fella, like I had a few people that were asking me, can I give you my money? And anyways, I had, cause they want, well, they said, well, if I buy a property in Timmins, can you manage it? And my answer is no, I'm not managing property managing anything that I don't have a percentage of interest in, right? Because why would I? It makes sense. Like that's not your the business that you're in. You're in the investing business, not property management. You, you've you got it. Yeah, that's right. So um, so once I would answer that, they'd be like, okay, well then can I give you my money? <laughs> you know? So, you know, sometimes the answer is yes, but I've had a few that I, one guy wanted to give me $400,000 and I, I don't know, I didn't feel good about I didn't feel good about it. And so there was something that was telling me just not to do it. Don't take this guy's Mm -hmm. money. And so I didn't. Right. So I just, I do what feels right. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I want to tell you about this awesome new podcast, totally worth listening and subscribing to. It's called Real Time. It is a monthly podcast from the Canadian Real Estate Association, Korea, bringing realtors inspiring insights on all things Canadian real estate. Real Time is hosted by Canadian radio icon Aaron Davis and features a new industry expert every single month. Marketer Terry O'Reilly, for example, shares tips to help realtors build their brand using storytelling and emotional connections. Researcher and president of Real Trends, Steve Murray, talks about the foundational elements of real estate and how trust and communication are critical to a realtor's success. So listen and subscribe at crea.ca forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts for realtors. But even if you're not a realtor, definitely some great Canadian real estate content to listen to. So don't forget, listen and subscribe. And now back to the show. Yeah. And I think that's important just because there's a commitment, whether it's five years, seven years longer to be able to communicate with your JV partner. So it is important that you guys are both on the same page and everything is worked out. How was it working with your family? Um, it's working out really well because the deal was, it's got to be hands off. I don't want your spouses involved and I'll give you some financial statements and just, um, <laughs> that's so that's that was the deal with the two that you know with the family um because they really wanted in and you know and i knew that they could use the money and therefore i'm going okay so let's let's do it this way um so they've had zero issues um they, they trust me I, i'm i'm a cpa as well so i don't know you know so there's that right. okay I'm a chartered accountant. So you, you've obviously got you know a good financial background as well so it's not and you you know you have that ability to analyze and, and you've proven yourself. So how are you structuring the JVs? Like, are you doing a certain time frame? Like, are you, so I'm guessing you're going to be the active partner and they're the passive partner, but maybe just walk us through how you're structuring that for the majority of them. I'm sure there's, you know, there could be exceptions and then, you know, what your exit strategy is. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So the way that I've got it set up is we do, it's a 50, 50 partnership and I structure the deals. I, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, I, I'm the feet on the ground. Right. And the other partner has to come to the table with the cash for the closing and be able to qualify for the mortgages. So, so that's how I've got it structured with my newer investors, right? My newer partners in the beginning, I hadn't really given it that much thought when I, when my first ones came on. And so I had, didn't have it where they had to qualify for the mortgage. So my first few, I didn't do that, but now I do because I don't qualify for mortgages anymore or it's a lot tougher. And so it's just, just makes more sense. So that's how I've got those structured. And what they do is they pay the property management company, like the, the corporation. So they're incorporated and the corporation pays the property management company 10% to manage those properties. So is there an exit? Like, do you guys plan to hold it for a certain time frame and then sell it or one person buys the other person out? Like, how do you guys work that out? Right. Okay. So I've, so I've told my partners in, that they can decide like at any point, point in time they can decide that they want to sell the properties if they have if they decide that so it's not structured where it's okay it's got to be for five years you know it's structured so that they can get out at any time that they wish and just you know by selling the properties now uh, that being said i did have the one partner that he we had purchased we had started off we had purchased three together and he needed some cash quickly and I offered to just buy him out for the portion, like just the one at the price that we had paid for it. Cause we had, hadn't done any work to it yet. And so that's what I agreed upon. And so he just sold me, sold my corporation, one of the properties that we had purchased. I, I want my, you know, I want my joint venture partners to feel comfortable that, you know, they, they can make that decision. They don't have to, they're not stuck in it for five years, 10 years or whatever. Right. So that's the comfort zone, you know, that I, that I offer them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because everybody structures it a little bit different, right? So there's no like right way or, or wrong way to do JVs, but it's also really interesting because you've, I mean, you've done quite a bit now um, just to see how, how you set them up. You know, are you doing burrs with these properties and are they, if you are, are they putting down the renovation budget and are you doing the refinance at that point in time or are you waiting to the end? Walk us through that. Yeah. So, so yes, the burst strategy or my uh, two strategy combo, <laughs> whichever way you want to call it. But yes. The, the answer is yes, we are doing those. And that's the majority of them are the burst strategy. And what we're doing is uh, so they put, they come up with the funds on closing and then they pay for all of the expenses to fix up the place. And once we have them tenanted and we have the, uh, we get them financed then we pull out the cash and they get all their money back. And this way here, really, it's, um, it's an infinite return for them, right? So, so they get all their money back. And then after that, once that's done, if there's even more cash, then we always leave a certain amount in the bank because I don't want, there are a few times where we didn't leave enough money in the bank account with my first few partners. And we ended up running out of cash and I felt bad. I didn't want to go to them for and ask them for money. So I used my own credit lines to finance it. And it was like, okay, I'm not doing this again. Right. So, <laughs> so what I ended up doing was, you know, I'm telling them, okay, for every property, I want 5,000 bucks in the bank account. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's going to be some CapEx costs at some point or some maintenance that need to be 
you know, dealt with. So it definitely makes sense. So now, so they're going to refinance, they're going to essentially get a new mortgage. So are you adding a JV agreement so that there's 50, 50 after the renovations? Cause essentially if you put it, if you put yourself behind the scenes on title at the beginning, you're going to have to take it off, have them refinance and put it back. So it's like a little bit complex. So how are you working around that? Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a joint venture agreement, right? And uh, so what I have is the, so I'm a shareholder in the corporation, right? Because they are in corporations. So I'm a share, 50% shareholder of the corporation. And so I don't go on title. I don't like nothing of that. And uh, so that's how I've got it structured so that, you know, I just went with some uh, legal advice and that's what I was told I should be doing. So. <laughs> so you create a corporation with them where each of you guys are 50-50? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Rather than use your own corporation behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My apologies. My corporation, it's not even me. It's my corporation owns 50% of the new corporation. Okay. And, yeah. My, and the partner owns the other 50%. So then they go on title. Yeah. Correct. And then that agreement get gets registered. So the agreement is not registered. Okay. Yeah. So so like cuz I I mean I actually don't, you know, fully and I know there there's something where like if you have a JV agreement you like you have to kind of register it or you have to put it on to the property so that they can't sell it without you knowing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I, I get where you're getting at now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so I've only done it with this brand new partner and you're right. You know, something, it's something I should be thinking about because now they would have a really hard time selling it without me knowing about it because they're not, they don't even live close. Right. My, this partner lives in Toronto. And I, right, right. I mean, hopefully yeah. you try, you trust your partner, but I'm just thinking like, and I'm, I am not a lawyer and I can't pretend to like know enough about this anyways, but it's always very interesting because technically your JV partner, if you don't have, if you can't, if you don't show that you're somehow registered in the back end, that property could be sold and gone. I mean, obviously, you know, you have a little bit more control because you're, you're up there, but worst yeah, comes to yeah. worse, I guess it could happen. Correct. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You've got me thinking about this now because I'm going, okay, yeah, I should probably, you know, just even put a hundred dollars on tie, like, you know, just, you know, an amount of a hundred bucks and, and this way here, if somebody goes to sell, they actually have to, uh, well, you know, they, yeah, they would have, you'd have, you'd be, you know, made aware because like you, you're registered on it. I think. That's yeah. 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 No, that's a very good point. I have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, you know, I'm, I'm after we're done this call, I'm going <laughs> to, hey, you know what, there's not a, there's not a right way or a wrong way, but I think so. What I would do is I would, I would register it after the refinance. Cause the, if you have it on before and then you're doing the renovations, then you got to take it off to get the refi and then you got to yeah. you got to put it so there's a lot of like legalities and like paperwork and again like this is why you hire some professionals and i've got like great lawyers <laughs> that yeah, yeah. help me throughout <laughs> exactly. all of this but that yeah. you know like that would to me that would make more sense cuz you you want to trust the jv partner just like they're going to trust you and it's going to be a long term relationship but you know like you always have to be cautious just like yes, they of course. Yeah. But it isn't it is interesting. So thanks for sharing that. Cause I, you know, I think it's gonna be really valuable for for people to really understand even just like the different steps that you took to get to to your 68 units. And that's incredible. And also Timmins sounds pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not they're not all that great, but there's you know, I, I did purchase some um where the tenants were already there. So I've I've purchased like uh um, a property for a fourplex for 135,000, for example. 
so it's it didn't require work, work right away but as soon as you know the tenants leave and then i'll up, you know i upgrade and then you know increase the rents and then from there you know I, I'll, I'll do the next one right so when but only as people leave because there some of the rents were pretty low mm -hmm. um some people were paying like 500 and some odd dollars inclusive and you know they'll they'll use up i don't know electricity because you got to remember we're in northern ontario and so some of these units are high or um it's electric heat and so when you've got electric heat and you've got or, or you know somebody in the summertime because even summertime in Timmins it gets really hot as well and so they they're using their you know i don't know their, their ac and they've got they're cranking the heat and their hydro bill is almost as much as you know they're, what they're paying in rent and it's like okay seriously but so yeah. hopefully hopefully you know either cash for keys or they don't stay too long and uh you renovate the units i mean it's hard in ontario for sure to you know, get, get people out unless you're renovating, but you got to, you know, just keep in mind that they can technically still come back at the same market rents. Um, exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I don't do that. Right. I'm, you know, I just hold off and yeah. so I'm able to purchase some properties for a really good, you know, low amount. And then I just, you know, they're, they're still cash flowing. And so I just wait until these people leave and then, you know, I'll renovate then. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Yeah. So now you've, I believe that you have a book that you've written. Can you tell us about that? Okay. So yeah, totally. So yeah, so I wrote the book and I know everybody else won't be able to see it, but I'll show it to you right now. <laughs> so it's called No Money, No Problem. Make Your First Million Dollars with Real Estate. The Secrets to My Millionaire Method Revealed. So I wrote this book because, you know, I, I figured this stuff out, right? And I was like, okay, anybody can be successful. I went from a starving single teenage mom to where I am today. And if I can do that, there's no reason for everybody else not to be able to do it too. Right. And you just have to know how to get there. And so, so the book is really about, there's, there's some stories, like there's my, my screw ups and you know, there's quite a few of those, but I still managed to in turn get to my first million dollars. Right. So although I was aiming at getting to my six figures, it turned into a few million dollars and, you know, in equity and so on. So, so I decided to write this book so that other people can actually do the same thing. And so there's step-by-step -step things that I have in there. I give, I give away free uh, spreadsheets. So they just have to go to a certain web page and they'll be able to get my free spreadsheets. So it's all the stuff that I used to be able to do this. Right. And I still use today right? To analyze my deals and to figure out, you know, if something's, what is it going to cost me for this flip? And um, so all of those types of things. I also offer, um, you know, the conditions that I put into my, uh, into my offers, because I want to make sure that I can actually get out of it. Because one of the, one of the big things that I do is I, I put in blind offers. I don't bother, like, having been on the road, like, you know, and not being able to get to Timmins, I, I had to figure out a strategy to be able to do this from a distance. So, um, so I've got the whole strategy in the book to, that explains how I've done it and so on. But it, it comes back to like a lot of my offers were actually all blind offers. And some of the people, uh, some of the other real estate agents were getting really frustrated with mine because they were going, well, how did you manage to get all of these deals for your investor? Right. So, <laughs> um, but we basically what we were doing is we were i would put in the offer so as soon as i found out that you know there was a new listing i would take a peek and see okay is this of interest yes or no if the answer was yes 
I always had on my laptop the spreadsheet open so that I can actually just enter the information really quick, you know, 30 seconds, enter the information that you've got um, from the details. So I would ask my, uh, I would ask my real estate um, agent for the details that I needed to be able to put into the spreadsheet. And she'd always have it to me within minutes. And I would just enter the information and I would put an irrevocable of 24 hours. So people had to make decisions within 24 hours. Well, nobody else got to go see these properties, right? So because they had to give 24 hours notice to the tenants to get in. So they would make a decision and, uh, you know, so that's basically one of the, that's a great strategy. <laughs> so where can they buy the book? Okay. So the book is on Amazon. So they get, they can get the book on Amazon. There's the ebook and there's also the, uh, the paperback version and just look up Lynn LeBeau or look up the title of the book, you know, make your first million dollars with real estate either way. So this, so Lynn is spelled L Y N. And last name Lebo, L E B as in Bob, E A U. And if you just punch that in on Amazon, you'll be able to find it. Amazing. Good. So the last part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions, and everybody gets the same questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? Absolutely. Today's lightning round is brought to you by the Canadian Real Estate Association. Listen to their podcasts real time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Topics vary from the business of real estate to industry trends, home design, and so much more. Featuring guests like Terry O'Reilly and Sarah Richardson. So be sure to tune in and don't forget to subscribe. All right. Lynn, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Uh, I know it's the same answer as a lot of people, rich dad, poor dad. It's, uh, it was the first book. I actually read that book when I decided I was all in, I took the book and I read it right away. And it said, go to seminars. I went to seminars. I just did whatever it said. <laughs> so definitely. Perfect. that's good. You read it and you took action. Number yeah. two, what is your favorite podcast? Okay. So yours uh, totally. I love it because it's in Canada and I love the way I, 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 I just love the way you have them and you know, it's just no BS and it's yeah. So, and that being said, I didn't start watching podcasts until just recently when my coach said, you have to be on podcasts. So I thought, okay, which podcast am I going to be on? Right. So anyway, so yeah, it's great. Nice. Perfect. Question number three, what, what do you do for fun when you are not doing real estate? Okay. So really outdoorsy, just love the outdoors. I live on the lake. I'll, I'll go swimming. I'll go kayaking. But my favorite is playing with my grandkids. It's just, you know, I'll do somersaults with them. I'll do whatever. It's, it's just, yeah, lots of fun. Awesome. Number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Pretty simple. Just redo what I just did. <laughs> awesome. Question number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? First of all, you know, if you want speed, get yourself a coach, right? So if you, all you've got is access to $50,000, get yourself a coach, find out what you need to know so that you can actually get that speed. Then from there, your coach will be able to show you how you can find more money and so on. I'm not saying you got to spend $50,000 for a coach. I personally spent $40,000 for like right off the get-go um, using a line of credit to be able to pay for a coach. But yeah, I would say find yourself a coach and there, then see what you got left and strategize with your coach around how do I get more money to be able to do these deals. All right. Great answer. Lynn, if our listeners, my listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go and how can they do that? 
Okay, so they can go, so they can email me at book at lynnlebeau.com. They can look me up on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. I've got a web page for, I'm, I'm actually in the process of creating an online course on investing in real estate. So if you want to look into that, then you can go to lynnlebeau.com. And I just saw a mouse go by. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where'd that come from? <laughs> So well, something moving in the, the back podcast. So hopefully you can go pick, find the mouse and uh, get it in a little trap there. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Okay, so yeah, so um, so these are the three the three areas would be uh, you know through email, through Facebook, and through LinkedIn. All right, awesome. Any final last words of advice? Don't wait. You know, get started now. I got started later on. I wish I had started way earlier. And because I'd be even way further ahead than I am today. So, you know, it, one of the big things that people, you know, there's fear is that I think is the greatest thing that stops people from investing in real estate and fear is normal. Like we all feel it. You know, if you read my book, you'll see, you know, I've got my roadside thing that I talk about and you'll see how scared I was. And, but I still did it right. You just have to, you're not just know that the fear is going to be there and just still do it because if you don't you might go 10 15 20 years before you actually do invest in real estate or you might never start and that's the worst you know if i can do this you can too right so just yeah just do it just start awesome lynn thanks for being on the show it's a pleasure having you thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it it's great great conversations Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.